Turn with me over to Mark 8, verse 18. I want to share something with you this morning that God laid on my, in my heart and in my spirit. Jesus made a statement. He said, having eyes, you see not. Having ears, you hear not. And do you not remember? <laughs> I want to read that one more time because it's important that we understand this. See, we have, how many knows that you're a spiritual man as well as a physical man? Our spiritual, our physical man has eyes that sees and ears to hear. But our spiritual man has eyes to see and ears to hear. And Jesus said, having eyes, you see not. And having ears, you hear not, and do you not remember? Have you ever looked at something and you never saw it? <laughs> I mean, you could be looking right at something and you just don't see it. You, you just don't see what, what, what everybody's saying that you can see. Sometimes they have these uh, uh, little games or pictures or something and, and, and it's words, but within the words you can see like the cross was made out of those letters. When you look closely, you see it. And I think a lot of times in the word, and as we mentioned this morning in the class, that we can get ritualistic about anything that we do. And we, we can come to the point to where we can memorize Scripture, but do we know the Scripture? Some people can quote verse after verse after verse, but do they really know what they're quoting? See, there's a difference in being able to memorize something and quote it, and then knowing something and saying it. And this is what God is wanting us to see this morning. Uh, so what we're going to look at today is a form of spiritual blindness that operates in a lot of people today. Listen, someone asked Helen Keller, what would be worse than being born blind? And she replied, to have sight without vision. <laughs> Here was a person that was totally blind, and they asked her, what would be worse? What would be worse than being born blind like you have been. You were born blind. And she said, to have sight without vision. See, a lot of people can see, but not see. A lot of people can hear, but not really hear. And so, what God is saying to us this morning, uh, we've got to see what God is to wanting us to see, hear what He's wanting us to hear, and let this become revelation truth in our heart so that we can walk in the total victory that God's called us to walk in. And it's through knowing. And vision, uh, in the Webster Dictionary, it's a noun. It means eyesight, something that you imagine, a picture that you see in your mind, something that you see or dream, especially as part of a religious or supernatural experience. So in other words, it, it, you know, uh, mem uh, vision is important to us. Physical vision is very important to us. But spiritual vision is even more important than physical vision. And everything in your life, everything in our life is already in our life. I won't say that again so it will sink down in our hearts. Everything in your life is already in your life. It's just merely awaiting for you 
to recognize it. Jesus has done all he's going to do. He can't do any more. He's done everything that he came to do, and that was to redeem us, purchase us, empower us, enable us, and defeated the devil for us. (laughs) I mean, he did all this for us. And it's already done and accomplished, but what we got to do is merely recognize what Jesus has done. So this morning I want to talk about a spiritual law of recognition that we need in our hearts and lives. We need to see and understand. You know, life is governed by laws. Uh, the law of reproduction indicates you can only pr- reproduce something that you are. In other words, cows produce cows. Horses produce horses. We produce humans, you know. And if you're a spiritual-minded person and a spiritual person, if people's underneath your spiritual care, you can reproduce and produce in them a spiritual person. Amen? As they get a hold of the things of God. Now, the law of seed, how many knows there's a law of the seed? Reveals that whatever you have in your hand... uh, will create anything you want in your future. In other words, seed is something that is put... A seed is a small thing sometimes. But if you want a big acorn tree or a big tree, you've got to take that little seed and plant it in the ground. And it's got to be nurtured. And you've got to see that that little seed is going to produce a big tree, in other words. God, God's got so much bigger things for us as believers that we haven't even skimmed the surface of all that God has for us. We haven't even begun to... We had him begin to wade into the deep waters yet. I like what Ezekiel said. There's waters to swim in. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, uh, uh, you know, you can you get it up to ankle deep, and then you get it up to knee deep, and then you get it up to waist deep, and then there's waters to swim in. And God's got a whole lot more for us. And, and what we've got, some people are just satisfied with just getting their feet wet, or it's just kind of wading around out there, and just getting the cool water on their feet. But there's some people that want to get it up to their knees, and then there's some people who want to get it up to their waist, and then there's some people just going to dive right in and just swim in it. Praise God. I tell you what, I'm one of those that just want to dive in and swim in it and get all that God has for me. God's got a whole lot for us this morning if we'll just let him do it. Amen? The law of spirit and life. The Bible said in Romans 8 and 2, For the law of the spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death. This is a spiritual law. It's a spiritual law. We need to understand that when we're born again and we become a new creature in Christ Jesus, there's a new law operating in us. It's a spiritual law. It's a spiritual law of life. It's a spiritual law of God's life in us. And as we begin to see this, then we're going to see that that law of spirit of life has made me free. Has made me. Not going to make me free. Has made me free. See, when you see and you, and you understand and you see it, then you're going to say, oh, well, I was free all the time. What did Jesus say? He said, you'll know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free. It's the truth that frees us. You know, what frees us from that old spirit of condemnation in us, that spirit of, of uh, unworthiness that uh, we have if we've done things wrong, and, and uh, that we get that spirit of unworthiness and that spirit of condemnation upon us. What, what, really, what, what really is going on is we're allowing that spirit of death operate in us, rather than the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. 
And Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And those that spend their time in condemnation, and most of the time it's self-condemnation. It's not even anybody condemning us. Sometimes the devil puts things in your mind. You know what they're saying about you. They're talking about you over there. They, 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 they know that you're just a failure. You know, they just know that you're not going to do any good. And how many, how many has ever had that happen to you? I mean, somebody be talking, they'd be laughing, and, and they look over at you, and they'd be talking and laughing. You think, they're talking about me. They're laughing about me. I knew that that's what they were, just gossipers. And they weren't even talking about you. They just talking about something else. Amen? But we imagined it. But, and, and self-condemnation is that same way. You have condemned yourself. You condemned yourself from having the joy of the Lord. Well, I can't be happy because I tell you what, I'm just not worthy of the things of God. I'm just not. Get that self-pity spirit out of you. That's all it is, is self-pity. I mean, you poor old me. Oh, I wish I had the joy like so-and-so. You do. You may not act just like so-and-so, but you've got the same joy. The joy of the Lord. People, people react differently. Uh, Pat gets happy and, and she'll jump up and down like a little girl. Now I know she's happy. It don't take much to make her happy. Just get her a little chocolate, you know. She's kind of like our cat, Princess. We get those little treats for her, but she just goes up and down on the, on the uh, she jumps up on the, uh, 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 the china cabinet down up there and she just goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And we rattle that little package of treats and boy, she just, oh boy, she really gets to going in. Well, you know what? We're the same way. We let feelings, we let our emotions, we let, um, Self-inflicted wounds <laughs> in our spirit, in our mind. Self-inflicted things. People have inflict, inflicted anything upon you. It's been imagined. You imagine it, and you think, "Well, they're talking about me. They don't like me. I, I know they don't like me." And nobody's never said nothing. Amen. This is good preaching. But the law, of spirit of life. You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The truth. The truth is we're redeemed. The truth is we have the peace of God. The truth is the joy of the Lord is our strength. The truth is that by His stripes we were healed. The truth is we have, we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we don't have to worry. If you don't feel righteous, don't worry about it. The Bible says you are. Praise God. Somebody told me one time, they said, Preacher, you must get up every day and just, you just got the anointing of God and you just feel that anointing. Some days I feel like I'm not even saved. I'm talking about feelings. I should go by feelings. Now I know I am. I'm not, that doesn't mean I'm out here cussing and carrying on or nothing like that. But I, I, I understand what I'm saying. The devil plays on our minds and not lets us, that doesn't let us see what God has really done for us. And, and we just don't recognize the Spirit of the Lord. There's a law of faith. Where is boasting then in Romans 3.27? It is, it, it, it is excluded by what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. There is a law of faith that operates in our life. Faith. Without faith, you know what Hebrew says? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
without faith. You can't be saved without faith. You come down. Now, mind you, when I got saved and when you first got saved, I know you felt that load lift off of you. You, you, you should have. I mean, you should have felt something lift off of you in the spirit realm. And, and you had a joy that you didn't have before. And you had a peace you didn't have before. But that's because, you know, that law of faith is operating and that law of the spirit of life is operating in you. And you're able to just rejoice and praise God. Hallelujah. Now, mind you, when I first got saved, I felt saved. And you did too. Y'all remember that? You felt saved. You felt saved all day long, all night long, all, all week long, all month long. And then all of a sudden, one day, you got up and didn't feel saved. The feeling was gone. What do you do? That's where the law of faith has got to operate. See, that law of faith says, I'm redeemed. That law of faith operates and says, Jesus became sin for me. He bare my sicknesses upon his body. By faith. See, that's what we've got to do. We've got to let that law of faith begin to operate and begin to see what God's doing. There's the law of grace. For sin shall not have dominion over you in Romans 6.14. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Sin doesn't have dominion over us. We're under the grace of God. God's grace is in our lives. And the devil tries to... The devil tries to hound us with our past and try to keep us back in our past and just say, well, you know, you just wasn't a good person, you know, and you didn't do good and, and all of this. And, and he puts all these condemnation things upon you. But then the law of grace kicks in. I mean, what God, grace is. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. Grace. You don't deserve it, but God did it anyway. <laughs> None of us deserved anything that is good, but God did it anyhow. Nobody can get holy enough and righteous enough, and, and nobody and, 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 and I'm talking to believers here this morning, and talking to believers probably through Facebook Live, but you know the thing is, it's not your works that's making you feel spiritual. It's that law of grace and the law of faith. And that's that, that gift of righteousness that God's given to us. It's all a gift from God. It's what He did. Not, whether you feel like it or not, it doesn't matter. Praise God. Now, I, I like those feelings. I like to feel good. I like to feel happy. I like to feel joy. But if I don't feel it sometimes, you know what? I'm not going to worry about it. Because you know why? God's Word declares it. And I still stand on the Word of God. And I have what God says I have. The law. Then you got the law of seed time and harvest time. Genesis 8.22, while the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer and day and night shall not cease. There's a law of sowing and reaping. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. I believe that. I, I believe it's a law of sowing. I, I, I believe there's a law with God's Word, and we've all seen it. Uh, we've all experienced it in our lives. When He said, you bring your tithe and offerings unto the Lord, and He'll bless it. And he'd rebuke the devourer for your sakes. How many's ever had the devourer rebuke for your sakes? We all have. But that's, that's, a, that's a law of God. It's a law of God. We've had people in our church that, 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 that didn't tithe. You know, they, they, they come up and say, we can't afford to tithe. You know, we can't. Uh, I said, you can't afford not to tithe. Amen? I, I, I'm, I, how many knows I don't preach on money a lot? And aren't you glad for that? 
<laughs> I, listen, uh, you turn on TVs nowadays and it's a good message, good sermon at the very end. Okay, now, you, I know there's 15 people that got $5,000 God wants you to give right now. And God's going to do this, this, this. this. That's okay. I, I mean, I believe if I give, God's going to bless it. But I'm not going to let God be a lottery machine for me. Amen? I'm going to obey God. He said, bring the tithe and offerings unto the Lord, and he'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. You see, what we've seen in our life, and there's times that we've had abundance. There's times I've had exceedingly abundance. And then there's times that I had to make it day by day, week by week. And, and, but God always came through. God was always there. And you know what I did? I acted like I had a whole abundance. Now, I didn't go out and write hot checks. So I didn't write those faith checks. Anybody's ever had faith checks? Had one young man come to my church one time, and he gave us $1,000 when we were small. And he gave a $1,000 offer. And I said, well, praise God. You know, God must have blessed him. His, his parents were pretty well off and stuff. And I said, well, maybe, you know, he received something. And, uh, and we put that in the, we, we were small. I mean, anything that come in went out. You know, y'all know what I'm talking about? Sometimes that's what he does when we work. We get that paycheck, and boy, we, it's gone because we've got to pay our bills, right? And that's the way we were. We didn't have a lot of excess left over. We tithed. We gave into missions. We gave 10% of everything that came in into missions. And, and we started out by giving the first year $6,000 and second year $12,000. It kept increasing. And finally, one year, we gave over $100,000 in missions. Praise God. And that was just 10% of what came in. We gave other offerings on top of that, you know. And, but what I'm saying is God is good. But that law of giving is God's way. And he produces in our life if we'll allow him to. But there are some people that just say, well, I just can't do it. And I say, you can't afford not to. You know, I don't condemn them. God has to open their eyes. God has to reveal the truth to people. And I don't want to ever make people feel like they're not worthy of the blessings of God, because they may not give as much as somebody else. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's our heart that God's looking at and what we're able to do. Amen? And as we do it, God blesses it. That was free. We'll just turn that in and free it today. But today I want to talk about that law of recognition. See, recognizing when God's moving for you. Recognizing when God's in the midst. Now, everything we need... Is already in our life. And we've merely, all God's waiting on is you to recognize it. <laughs> we need to recognize God is the healer. We need to recognize He is the provider. We need to recognize He is our peace. He is our joy. We need to recognize that He is. I am that I am. That's what we. That's who we're serving. I am that I am. And God is. And as we recognize that, then we're going to see the blessings of the Lord. Now, Jesus was not recognized as the promised Messiah. Remember when he was uh, in his own hometown? And this is over in, uh, um, let's see, Mark 6, 1 through 5. Jesus came to his own hometown. And... And the people didn't recognize him. He went out from there and he came into his hometown. His disciples followed him. And when Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. 
And the many listeners were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what is this wisdom given to him? And such miracles as these performed by his hands? I mean, they were astonished. Jesus was doing these things. And then, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Hoseas, and Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? See, Jesus had a lot of brothers and sisters. Mary and Joseph didn't just stop with him. Because Jesus had to be born, conceived by God, by the Holy Ghost, and then they had other, he had other siblings that were still part of his line. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his own relatives and his own household. And the Bible said he could, do, he could not do no miracle there except that he laid hands upon a few sick people and healed them. Now, Jesus had just come about, come away from some great miracles that he had performed, uh, the multiplication of the loaves and fishes and, and, uh, and raising people from the dead and people healed of all manner of diseases. But he couldn't do very many miracles there because of unbelief. Now, Jesus came to the temple and read of the prophecies concerning him and his mission uh, uh, in, in the Bible there. And he, this is, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and it was his custom. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath. Now, how I many know Jesus set the example of attending church? Hallelujah. Somebody says, well, I don't have to attend church if I don't want to. No, you don't. If you don't have to do anything, you don't want to. But you know what? If we're going to do what Jesus did, he went to the synagogue. <laughs> he went on a daily basis. He went on a regular basis. And he went and, and uh, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read. Now, he stood up to read. Remember, he was called rabbi. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it to the attendant, and sat down. He sat down. Now, what's amazing here is the place that Jesus sat was the place of the teacher. The rabbi, he sat down, and all eyes were upon him. He was revealed as the one. And, and, and today, this scripture, he said to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And, uh, and so all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? <laughs> how, many, how many see what we're saying this morning? They still didn't recognize him as the Son of God. Is not this Joseph's son? He's a pretty powerful reader here, you know. I mean, that was pretty anointed what he said. But is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, You will surely say this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many, window, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. And when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, there was a great famine throughout the land. But to one of them uh, was Elijah sent 
but to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. She was only one during that time that he was sent to to go and minister to Elijah the prophet. And many lepers were in Israel at the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Only Naaman the leper. Of all the lepers that were in that region, Naaman was the one. Y'all remember the story of Naaman? How the little girl came to the prophet and said, I've got my, my man I work for over here, you know, and, and said he's got leprosy really bad. And she persuaded him to go, Naaman to go to, to where the prophet was. And Naaman said, uh, or, or Elisha told him, he said, look, go dip in that Jordan River. Go dip in that river seven times. It was muddy. It was dirty. But you know what he did? Because he came with faith. And he recognized a prophet of God, and he went and did what the prophet said to do, and he dipped seven times and came up cleansed, because he recognized. Recognition is important. Amen? Now, God's power is to present to heal all. Jesus was in one place, in Luke five seventeen through 20. It happened on a certain day as teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem. And look what it said. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them all. When we come to the house of God, did you know the power of God is here to touch all? When God's doing something in our midst... And by revelation, by the Holy Ghost, or the Word of God, however God is doing it, the power of the Lord is present to heal them all. Hallelujah. God's power. We've got to recognize it. Some people hear a message and teaching. And at the time, they, they receive it with joy. And they said, whew, that was good. Boy, Brother Clarence, hey, man, I like the way he kicked that leg out there. Man, that was good, you know. And, uh, oh, man, the way he slammed down on that podium, he, he really emphasized the Word of God. And, and then you go out the door and forget what I preached. <laughs> I'm just saying. Amen? The power of the Lord was present to heal them all. Jesus came and there, the power of God was present. Then behold, men brought a man uh, in, uh, in a bed who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And they could not find out how they might bring him in because of the crowd. They couldn't get in because of the crowd that was thronging around Jesus inside the house. And so what they did, they went on top of the roof and let him down, let, uh, took some tile away and let his bed down and, and, and right before Jesus. And look what the Bible says, when he saw their faith. See, they recognized the power of the Lord was present. The power of the Lord was present to heal them all. But God's power didn't heal them all. It was only the one where they took upon the roof and let down in front of Jesus. And Jesus, when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Not only was he healed, he was forgiven. Hallelujah. That's the way God is. But we got to, how many sin that we have to recognize the presence of God? Recognize when God is moving. Recognize when God, listen, you remember when the uh, angel came and troubled the water? Uh, and, and when the water was troubled, you had to jump in and, and you, you jumped into the water and you were healed? And 
you know, one man was laying there. He'd been there for many years. Been there a long time. And he, he never could get in the water when the angel came down. And Jesus looked at him and said, what, what are you waiting on? <laughs> well, everybody gets in before me. I don't have any. There's no man to put me in the water. No man can help me get in. And Jesus just looked at him and said, take up your bed. Walk. Hallelujah. Right, just take up your bed and walk. In other words, he recognized he missed his opportunity as far as the troubling of the water, the angel troubling the water. But the angels aren't troubling the water no more because Jesus paid the price for our healing today. And when God's power and God's anointing is flowing, that's the time to jump in and get what God wants you to have. Amen? Now, the Pharisees didn't recognize the divinity of Jesus. They couldn't see who he was. Look at what Jesus did in Luke nineteen forty one through forty four. And when he was come near Jesus, when he was come near Jesus, beheld the city and wept over it, saying, "If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, because you did not know the time of your visitation." They didn't recognize the time of their visitation. Jesus was there to visit them. Jesus was there to reveal his power, to reveal himself as the Son of God and the manifested Son of God. And what happened was. That they did not recognize the time of visitation. Hallelujah. You know when God's moving and there's a special anointing flowing? Sometimes there's a special anointing that flows. Now, I'm a firm believer that all things that God has provided for us is ours when we can reach out. We can reach out in faith. But there's times when there's a visitation from God. There's times when there's a visitation of the Holy Spirit. And when that visitation comes, that's the time to jump in. That's the time to do it. Don't go out the door and say, well, I wonder when God's going to move in this place. Well, you know what? God moved and somebody just didn't jump in. Hallelujah. You know what? Don't get caught up in criticism. Because it's only going to hurt you. Amen? When God's visiting, and there's a visitation from God, some people are looking for a man to bring the visitation. Well, the visitation comes when we, with our hearts, come prepared. Did you know you draw the anointing? You draw the anointing? When I preach really good, it's because you drew it out of me. And when I preach really bad, Pat's on one drawing it out of me. <laughs> but but you do. You, you draw the anointing. When the anointing is here. And, and I'm not going to boast. And you don't need to boast. All of us are anointed of God. I'm anointed of God. I believe I have an anointing from God. Not everybody can teach. Not everybody can preach. Not everybody has the ability to, uh, to explain things to where people can really get it. But that doesn't mean that you're no, no, not smarter than, or smart as the person that's teaching. How many understand what I'm saying? But there's, there's an anointing and an ability that God puts. Not everybody's going to sing just alike. 
But you know what God's looking for? He's looking for a person that's willing. And let God touch and anoint them. Praise God. I couldn't even, I couldn't play the piano worth a flip. I don't know what worth a flip is, but I couldn't play a piano. I mean, I, you should have heard me when I first started. Terrible. I mean, a little girl in the eighth grade, uh, when I was in the eighth grade, she was in, in junior high, and she was teaching me how to chord. In Fairmont, West Virginia, I learned how to chord, just a few chords, and that's what I did. And then I didn't, I didn't even pick up the piano again and play it anymore until we got down to Waco, Texas. And, and I started playing with the, our youth a little bit and, you know, and, and doing some things. Then I didn't touch it again until 1975 when I pastored my first church. 1975. And we didn't have a piano player. So I got up there and I started doing my little things, just cording. It, was, it wasn't even fancy. I mean, just cording. I didn't do no fancy stuff. I didn't have Jimmy Swagger to follow along with at that time. And, uh, you know, now I can get him on YouTube and watch him, you know, and all this stuff. And I said, boy, man, that's pretty neat, you know. <laughs> but, but because God anoints. Amen. And we have to recognize the gifting that God puts in us. And let God use it. Now, I'm not the best piano player in the world. I know that. I'm not, listen, I'm not going to even say that, you know. But I sure enjoy what I do. And I enjoy doing it. And I'm sure not the best singer in the world, but I enjoy doing that too. You know? I, I think God's looking for somebody that will enjoy serving Him. Amen? Just enjoy doing what God says. But the anointing. But we've we got to recognize and discern. Even the disciples had a hard time discerning who Jesus was. What did Jesus say? Look over in Matthew, the 16th chapter. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 19. Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked the disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Now, he'd ask, who do men say that I am? But then he turned to his disciples that followed him every day and said, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter. I like old brother Peter. He kind of opened his mouth and inserted foot many times. (laughs) But you know what? He was bold. He was bold and he stood up and said, you aren't. The Christ, the Son of the living God. Hallelujah. Do you know what Jesus said? Blessed are you, Simon Berjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus told Peter that. When? When Peter recognized, thou art that Christ. He recognized Jesus as the Christ. We're talking about that law of recognition this morning. Some of the disciples still weren't sure. But Peter did. He's the only one that spoke up. Now, when we recognize God, and when you recognize the power of God, and you recognize God's moving in your midst, it can turn a lifetime of failure into an instant success. 
Just like that, God can turn a person around. Aren't you glad for that? If that wasn't true, we wouldn't be sitting here this morning. But God turned our life, our messy life, failed life, and turned it into a blessed life. Because we're following Him and we recognize the Lord. Two thieves on, the, on each side of Jesus on the cross. One of them started mocking Jesus. Well, if you're the Christ, just cast us all down off these crosses. But the man on the other side, he said, Master, I know who you are. <laughs> and remember me today. Remember me today when you come into paradise. And Jesus received him. And just like that, that man was saved. Redeemed. Hallelujah. Jesus hadn't completed the salvation process, but that doesn't matter. He accepted the Lord. And if, even if his spirit went down into the lower regions of the earth where the captivities were, uh, the captives were there, uh, those that were, had, had, had followed the Lord in the Old Testament days, that's the ones that Jesus loosed. He loosed them. And he got free. But Jesus went and, and ascended to heaven and put his blood on the cross. Amen. And the Lord forgave him. Now, we need to recognize the voice of the Holy Ghost. Y'all still here this morning? We need to recognize the voice of the Holy Ghost through gifts of men. Jesus is the master communicator. The master communicator is the Holy Spirit. That is the master communicator, the Holy Ghost. I tell you what, the Holy Ghost can take things. He can take things and cause us to minister something that will just prick your heart just like that. Say something, a line or two lines or three lines, and it will just minister to the heart of that person just like that. That's, that's the anointing of God. And what we, what we have to do is recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit. He that hath hears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Amen? He that hath ears that hears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Uh, you know, when a minister is preaching the Word, I hope you don't come to just get a sermon or sermonette. Sermonettes make Christianettes. <laughs> but, but when you, uh, I hope you don't just come to hear a sermon, quote sermon, but you want to hear a word from God. A sermon should be a word from God. A word from God for that hour, for that moment, for that time. I believe every service, when I, when I preached and I was preaching and traveling all over, I, every service I went to, I said, Lord, you know what these people need. You know what you want me to say. And I prayed for God to speak to my heart and to open up my heart. And it may be scriptures I use here and there and all that, but God said, here. Speak it here. And let it be here. Because that was exactly what was needed in their lives at that particular time. So we need to recognize it. And hear what the Spirit says. Now, look. Listen. It, it is important who you listen to. And we can get into a big spirit of confusion if we listen to 99 preachers. Now, I'm not talking about saying that they're all bad or not. But how many understands what I'm saying? 
Sometimes we turn this one off because he, he wasn't tickling my flesh too much today. Turn this on. Oh, man, he said, I'm going to be a wealthy millionaire. I'll do this, listen to this. And and, no, see, we, we, we need to learn the voice of the Holy Ghost and respect the voice of the Holy Ghost and recognize the Spirit of the Lord. Look what the Bible said in Second Chronicles 20, verse 20. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. Amen? You've got to recognize a person of God and the voice of God and recognize that that's what you need to grow and be what God's called you to be. The widow woman of Zarephath. Remember, she was there going to fix that little cake and die. Her and her son just fixed that last cake and die. And the prophet, he had prophesied that drought, by the way. He's the one that prophesied it. And he had been over there at a brook. And uh, uh, he was just, all the ravens were coming to him every day. Then one day, the brook dried up. Uh, you know, there's another message in that. Sometimes, well, I don't know if I should do this or do that. Well, if the brook dried up, you need to move. Amen? When the brook dries up, it's time to move on. Praise God. Now, the brook dried up, and the Lord told him to go to Zarephath, because there he had commanded a widow woman there to sustain him. I want to tell you something. I don't want to be guilty of ever trying to, I use the word for niggle, <laughs> Or entice someone to give to my ministry. I, I don't want to ever be guilty of that. But what I want to be guilty of is obeying God and being in that place called there. See, that's the important thing. God put Elijah by the brook there. He said there he commanded the, uh, the uh, ravens to come and feed him. There. Now, if he hadn't have been there, the ravens wouldn't have found him. He had to get in that place called there in order for God's blessings to be there. How many seen what I'm saying? You got to be there. And then when the brook dried up, he went down to Zarephath because God told him to, and he said, "Because there I have commanded a widow woman to sustain you. I have commanded her to do it. You don't have to do no sad stories, Elijah." Where you've been out in the wilderness by yourself and oh how you just barely made it and, and the ravens were coming and, and one of them fell to the ground and, and you had to wait for the net. Uh, don't give all those sad sack stories. Just be there. Amen? We don't have to persuade anybody by sad stories. God has blessed me through the years of all of our ministry. And when I needed something, God spoke to people. And I didn't have to finagle it out of them. I didn't have to entice them. I didn't have to, I didn't have to do some somersault over here, you know, and, and I, no, no, no magic was done. Praise God. I was there because God said I was there. When God gave me a motor home, of all places that I, I thought, well, you know, he'd, he'd have me in a church like Lakewood Church with John Osteen, you know, and, and God just, they'd just receive an offer and I'd go get me a big old motor home, you know. No, you know, God put me, he put me in a little old town in Louisiana. Didn't even have a signal light. Didn't even have a stop sign at the main intersections. And God put me there. 
and in a feed store of all places. Now, I'm not talking about a remodeled feed store. I'm talking about it was a feed store. And the post office was next door to it. But the feed store still had feed all on the shelves. And it stunk like a feed store. In fact, my little girl was five years old. She went in there and she said, Ooh, Daddy, this stinks. Are we preaching here? I said, Shh. Don't hurt these people's feelings. But you know what happened? See, these were people that had come out of, uh, of a ritualistic religion. And they'd found the power of the Holy Ghost. That found what true salvation was instead of going to a man to get the remission of their sins. God did it through Jesus Christ. And that's what that little building was filled with that night. And God used a woman that I had never seen in my life. I prayed for her and God used me to be pretty prophetic and pretty bold in what I spoke to her. And then the power of God knocked her on the floor. And then... Come to find out, that's the first time she'd ever been in a Pentecostal service in her whole life. And anyway, she asked me about my ministry. We had a little flyer that we'd made that we were a traveling ministry. And she wanted to know what traveling ministry was. She actually asked my wife. My wife said, well, that means that uh, we travel. (laughs) We travel and preach. She said, oh, what do you travel in? You have a motor home? She said, no, but we're believing God for one. She said, oh, well, I got one for sale. I said, well, that's good. She said, that's good. You just, I said, we're, we're just believing. Well, I had heard about another motor home that this man had. And I mean, it was a nice one. Woo. And I was driving home, and I was telling my wife, I said, no, I want to tell you something. I know how we can get this motor home. I'll go over there and tell them we'll give so much down and we'll pay so much a month for about a year or whatever. I said, it'll be ours. She didn't. I said, are you hearing me? She said, yeah. She said, but you know what? If you want God to give you a mobile home, motor home, let him do it. And you get out of it. She made me mad. I didn't even stop and get a hamburger that night. My little girl was hungry, too. Went straight to the motel room. We'd been there about ten minutes, got a phone call. And there was this lady I'd ministered to. And she got home, talked to her husband. He wasn't even there. And she, and she said, you know, pa- uh, Brother Clarence, she said, um, I really received tonight what you prayed over me. And, and my husband and I, we're in agreement with some things. And she said, would you be in agreement with us? I said, sure. And she said, oh, by the way, she said, uh, we've got a motor home. And we were going to sell it. And I said, Yeah. And she said, and we know that you're looking for one. And I was all, you know, on the inside, I would say, how much? How much? How much? I mean, I wouldn't say it out loud, but you know, you all have been that way, you know, you get anxious and you start saying, how much? How much? And finally she said, well, Brother Clarence, my husband and I got to talking. And she said, we decided we're just going to give you this motorhome. Of course, I was such a great man of faith. I said, you did what? And then she reprimanded me. 
I said, well, she said, can you come by in the morning? I said, yeah, we'll be there. We're going to leave by 7 o'clock. She said, well, no, not that early. She said, we got to get over and get a, get all the paperwork done and get it ready so we can sign, sign it over to you. It would be about 9 or 9.30. I said, well, we can wait that long. <laughs> and I tell you what, we had a shouting time. God gave it to us. What I'm saying is, you got to be where God says there. And that's where he wanted me to preach, there. And because I was there, God could bless me there. (laughs) Hallelujah. Elijah had to be there. And the little widow woman was there to sustain him. And guess what? He was blessed. She was blessed. The miracle power of God was manifested. We just need to recognize the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. Believe the word. Believe the word. I had people come to me and they said, Brother Clarence, I'm going to try to believe this word. I said, well, don't try because it won't work. Well, I'm going to do the word. I said, okay, you do it and it'll work. Amen? But we've got to believe the prophets. We've got to believe the men of God. We've got to believe. We've got to have confidence in the one that's preaching to you. How many understand what I'm saying? You've got to have confidence in that. Now, the anointing you respect is the anointing you're going to receive. Nobody can talk to God for you. Nobody can know the voice of God for you. We've got to listen to His voice. Instead of listening to the critical words of, some, of somebody that wants to break your focus on the Lord and your focus on what God is doing, you've got to focus on Him. Listen, I'm, I'm, I talk about being a preacher, but you as an individual... Don't let someone knock you out of focus on what God's doing and what God wants to do for you individually. Nobody can talk to God for you. Nobody can know the voice of God for you except you. Amen? Somebody, somebody come to me and say, Brother Clarence, what should I do? I said, I don't know. Well, you're a man of God. I, I sure am, but I don't know what God wants you to do. You're going to have to know that. I'm not going to be guilty of saying, do this, do that, do that, do that. No, you know, but you've got to know God's voice. And you can recognize the voice of the Lord. Many times when someone's ministering, God will speak to you. And God will direct you. And God will instruct you as the Word of God is going forth. So, listen to the voice of God before you listen to the voice of doubt. Recognize God. Recognition of His voice enables you to know your assignment. How many knows God's got something for us to do? Every one of us has something special to do. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm excited to be part of God's family. How about you? Listen, don't be guilty of allowing a move of God to go forth and go in, in a service, pass you by, because you didn't recognize it. God's here. I said, God's here. And as we recognize the power of God and the visitation of God, guess what? We're going to get what God said we can have. Amen? Lift your hands and thank God for the word this morning. Father, we thank you. We praise you because your word is truth. We receive it. We receive it. We receive it. We receive it. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Amen. Let's sing those two courses again that we sang earlier during communion. I think it's important that we realize it's by the blood. It's by the blood. And then we recognize He is. Everybody say, God is. He is. Oh, the blood 
of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. Lift your hands saying, He's the Savior. He's the Savior of my soul. He's the Savior of my soul. He's the Savior of my soul. He's the Savior my soul, say Jesus, oh Jesus, 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 Jesus. he's the Savior. soul. He's the Savior of my soul. He's the healer of my soul. He's the healer too. He's the healer Jesus is his name. Jesus. 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 He's the Savior of my soul. He's the Savior of my soul. How many is going to recognize when God's moving for you? Recognize that God's with you and not against you and He's for you and going to see to it that you get everything that He's made provisions for. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning and Praise God. Remember tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to come believing God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Nothing's impossible to him that believes. Praise God. Father, we thank you for the word. Let it be planted in our spirits. Let it bring fruit in our lives. Lord, we just give you praise and we give you glory and we give you honor for it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, as you go, let's just praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let all of God's people praise the Lord. Lift up those holy hands. Shake off those heavy bands. Let all of God's people praise the Lord.
Hallelujah